Freedom in the Spirit Ministries podcast, and we are going to be going into the subject of something and some Christians that sometimes is kind of hard to do, but we're going to have to do it. Uh, it's, it's a mandatory thing as a Christian. God says it's mandatory, so we're going to go ahead and get into this. Uh, the subject that a lot of people don't like and a subject that a lot of people don't like saying the word of forgiveness. We're going to go into forgiveness. Now, you may you may think of, hey, how is that mandatory? I'm going to tell you how it's mandatory, because why it's mandatory, because God actually says in his word that you need to forgive people, and that includes yourself. So let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, we're going to be going in uh, to Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Bible, and uh, I believe that we need to touch base on a topic, which is forgiveness that most people of Christians are, are actually forgetting. A topic that prevents our relationships with Jesus to be ongoing in the way that he wants to have with us. I believe that if we have an issue with forgiveness, that it stops the prayer chain, or not the prayer chain, but the, the communication level to God. I firmly believe that. I believe that it, it prohibits and it, it prevents us having a great relationship with Jesus. I believe forgiveness is the passageway to God through prayer. I believe if there's no forgiveness, the passageway kind of gets closed off. I believe if we have unforgiveness, it could cause a blockade to God through prayer. So let's get into this. Matthew 18, 21 through 35 of the Amplified Bible. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him and let it go. Up to seven times, he asked. Jesus answered to him, I say to you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. We will go through the rest of the scripture here in a moment, but when I read this, I see two types of forgiveness that, uh, you know, that could be spoke about. Uh, I see a physical form of forgiveness involving person to person, you know, uh, one person to another. And I see the spiritual form of forgiveness, which involves man to God. Uh, you know, in the physical form, Peter went to Jesus and asked him how many times he should forgive someone in the flesh in person. And, you know, in verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me seven times? And Jesus said, No, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, I'm going to ask a question for everybody to kind of ask themselves and, and be honest in this, okay? This is an honesty thing. Now, as a podcast, obviously, I'm not looking at you. I'm not seeing you. Now, if I was in a congregation, which I have been, um, you know, I sit here and uh, would would look, and, and hopefully people will raise their hands and be honest with me. If not, that's okay, because between them and God, usually it is. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and I want you to think about this, okay? How many of us have experienced pain from wrongdoing from another person to us? How many of us have been hurt? by an unbeliever, how many of us have been hurt by an unbeliever? And a, or Actually, I'm sorry. How, how many of you have been hurt by a believer? How many of us have been hurt by family members? Here's the big question. How many of us have forgiven them? How many of us have actually forgiven people that hurt us? How many of us have uh, and I gotta let you, I gotta tell you that forgiveness isn't just about hey I forgive you. It's about letting it go. If you can't let it go, you have a problem with forgiveness. It's hard. Now 
there is a difference between letting it go and there's a difference between remembering it in your past. Because obviously if you're a Christian and you remember it in your past, it doesn't bother you anymore. You actually have that gap of victory instead of that gap of defeat. So when you look back and you say, man, you know, I forgave somebody. I'm going to tell you something. That's victory in your life. That is victory in your life and is victory in theirs. Whoever you forgave. But what does God's word say about forgiveness? Mark 11:26 in the King James Version says, But if ye do not forgive, this is intense, y'all. So I hope you're, you're paying attention to this because it says, if, This is why I say that forgiveness is mandatory in a Christian walk. If ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Mark 11:26 says in the Message Bible, now this is another version. I love going different versions of the Bible. But the Message Bible says, And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. That's actually a command. Forgive. Only then will your Heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins. How many of you really want your slate, man, your slate clean? Whew, I would love for my slate to be clean. And you know what? i tell you what. It starts now. But I'm going to give you an example of how people have really been hurt. And this is an example that happens in high schools and schools. But it's filtering into our churches, especially our big churches. And I really want you to understand that I'm not attacking anybody. Um, there's no attacking here, but this is this is actual truth. And if anybody knows me, how I preach, um, how I go out and I spread the word behind the pulpit, because uh, how many of y'all know there's two different ways to spread the word? You go spread the gospel of Jesus Christ on the streets, and behind the pulpit you preach the word. Um, I do I do both. So, you know, I want to make sure that we understand that I'm not attacking anybody because attacking people shows. No love whatsoever in what we do. So this is not an attack thing. And I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to bring out a certain type of analogy. And that analogy is clicks. This is spreading throughout our churches, our schools, our families like wildfire. God has put this on my heart, and this is very, very important. God has put this on my heart for a while. I saw a Facebook post that killed me, man. Um, can I just be honest with y'all? This Facebook post really set my sights on attacking a problem that is attacking the church. It's attacking the church. It's attacking the body of Christ. And I'm sitting here seeing this, this, uh, this weapon being used against us, against Christians. I'm seeing this weapon being attacked, it's actually attacked the church and it's attacked people, but we're fighting back. And I could see it fighting back in the communities, especially here in Enid. Uh, if you live in Enid, Oklahoma, you're going to start noticing community involvement getting a little bit better, getting a little bit bigger with churches and stuff. Um, but anyway, back to the point with the Facebook post. How many know Facebook could be a, a killer or a winner when it comes to life? It could kill somebody or it can or it could save somebody. You know, it really depends on how you use it. 
social media is not necessarily the greatest thing in the world to have. It is good when we want to minister to people, and it is good when we want to sit there and set out the gospel of Christ. But, you know, it's not all that good when you sit here and see all the negativity on there. But this Facebook post was really negative, and it made me think, and I'm going to tell you, it's true. And this person on Facebook said, seriously, I believe sometimes Christian people treat other Christians worse than any other group in the world. Wow. I mean, you have people sitting here saying that Christians treat people worse than any other group in the world. And you know what? That's actually true. It's true in the sense of Christians treat other Christians worse than they do the people out in the world. Uh, that's silence. Cricket. Cricket, cricket. I just said that, that Christians treat people worse than any other people in the world. They actually treat each other worse. And that's something we need to get out of here. And how people do that is, is they have their cliques. This is about cliques. And this message that he said about Christian people treating other Christians worse than any other group in the world, it stirred my heart. And it brings us to a very good point. We as Christians need to be humble to each other. Drop our pride. You know, humbleness is something good. Why do we humble ourselves? Because that way God can bring us and lift us up. So he wants to exalt us. God says, humble you. you know, the word says, humble yourselves before the Lord so he can lift you up. See, God wants to lift you up in exaltation in his name, not in yours. He wants to lift you up. We as Christians need to humble to each other and drop our pride. It's completely sickening when a fellow brother and sister in Christ treats us worse than the world does. I'm going to say that again. It is sickening. It disgusts me to see Christians, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, treating us worse than the world treats us. Wow, that's bad. But this is truth. Because there are Christians out there that are treating people so bad, each other so bad, that it's actually making Christians turn their back on God and saying, I don't want nothing to do with this. I believe there are two most dominating forces that fight Christianity from within, using our own Christian brothers and sisters against each other. Folks, we have an internal war in the body of Christ that is trying to take us and use it against us. What those are is cliques and pride. It's like a Trojan horse. How does a Trojan horse work? A Trojan horse works whenever you put a whole bunch of people in there, you take it into a city in order to conquer that city. It's a prize. It's actually a prize, and it's a, it's a gift to the city, to where the city celebrates, and all of a sudden, all these people come out the Trojan horse, and they have conquered everything. We have a Trojan horse inside of our body of Christ that is trying to destroy the body of Christ. Will it be successful? No, it will not be. Because the body of Christ, the head of the body of Christ, is going to defeat it. See, it's like a Trojan horse. Clicks and pride is a Trojan horse. It is Satan's ultimate tool for Christians if we allow it. Christians consider, consider it a Trojan horse to all of Christianity. Satan's ultimate tool, because he doesn't... Listen, folks, Satan does not have to do anything to us as Christians or not Christians if we are doing it to ourselves. If we are hurting each other and being mean to each other and being 
disrespectful and nasty to each other. Satan doesn't have to come in and do that stuff. We're doing it to ourselves. We're making the choice to do it. It's the same concept of us getting saved. Before we get saved, Satan don't even care if we're doing the cares of the world and we're doing what the world wants us to do. But once we lift that eyebrow and raise that hand and take that step of faith and take, get on to what Jesus wants us to do, and we give our hearts to Christ, then Satan has a problem and he wants to do something about it. But if we are doing it to ourselves, Satan doesn't need to do anything because we're doing it ourselves. It's rough. It's a rough thought, but it's true. Clicks in pride. It's time to get rid of them before it helps the enemy destroy more relationships built within the body of Christ. Not only relationships with us as brothers and sisters, but the relationship with Christ. People are leaving the body of Christ due to this behavior of us Christians. There's no more time for clicks and pride, people. It stops the flow of teamwork within the body of Christ. With clicks and pride, God's visions changes to man's vision, which doesn't allow God to work the way he wants to because we chose our ways instead of his. If I were to stay silent with this message, I'm as guilty as those who are too prideful and lose their beautiful clicks that work so well. I'm as guilty as those people that are too prideful and those with their beautiful clicks that work so well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a warning level. This is a warning level to all clicks and all people who love clicks. Those who have clicks working fine is over. God sees it. I want you to hear something very important that I have to say about this. And for those people that clicks, I want you to really consider what you're doing. And those people that want to be in clicks, I want you to consider what you're doing. And those people who would do anything to be in those, in those positions of being in a clique of the in crowd, I'm going to tell you some stuff too. Here in just a little bit. But let me tell you all right now that clicks are like Pontius Pilate. Oh yeah, I said it. Clicks are like Pontius Pilate and the religious leaders to Jesus. You see, people at cliques do not want outsiders in because they are too prideful and they always want people in their clique to believe the same way the clique does so there's no disagreement to keep up their agenda. Because of this, it persecutes and it ultimately crucifies someone's spirit who is not in your circle of cliques. After cliques do this, they wash their hands of innocent blood, thinking they are not wrong, blinding them from the truth of being responsible to uphold the first two laws of God. Number one, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And number two, to love your neighbor as yourself. The question is, will the person you treated horribly persecuting them and crucifying them have their spirit rise or stay dead because of your beautiful clique? In this world, your clique may be worth it, and your hands may be washed of the actions you chose, but up in heaven in judgment, God doesn't care about your hands. He looks at your soul. And I pray that it's not stained with the blood of your non-fruits. Now to the message to those who have been hurt by cliques. First to the Christians who are hurting. Listen, Jesus rose three days later. There is no reason your spirit should be dead more than that. He is calling you to rise up and take your place. You are not finished. Jesus said it is finished on the cross, so you wouldn't be finished. So now it's time to gather your bones, get some flesh, and take that breath of life God is going to instill in you. It is your time. Forgive those who have hurt you and rise above it through Jesus' name, using the sword of the Spirit, and get focused on the amazing greatness God has called you to do. What is it that God is calling you to do? 
It's a big part. He's calling you to change the world. Now this message to the unbelievers who have been hurt by Christians who are not accepting them due to cliques or any other reason. I know a lot of you have seen the Christian cliques, and it, and it turns you off of Jesus. Look, I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you that that's not Jesus. That's not what Jesus is called. The way they treated you is not the way Jesus has called us to act. Jesus has called us to live by the fruits of his Spirit. Please don't let that stop you from knowing Jesus and being saved by his grace and mercy. He died for you. He went to defeat death for you. He defeated hell just for you and the grave just for you. He rose again to prove that he is the real deal for you. Father God has made a covenant you can grab hold of and you could be saved. This covenant is the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, and his salvation just for you. This is an opportunity for you to look at the truth and not the click. The truth is this. God has chosen his people to love him first and love you second. To show the fruits of the Spirit through us so you can see Jesus live, love, through you. Clicks don't show that, but I'm humbly asking you right now. Give Jesus a chance to show you the truth. He loves you and wants to know you. But it's your choice. It's your choice. See, this is the gospel message that I was just talking about. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that allows forgiveness. It's the gospel that allows salvation. It's the gospel that allows freedom from bondage and tyranny from sin. It's the gospel that allows restoration. The gospel that allows your spirit to rise up from the dead. So to everybody that is listening right now, let's stop this click nonsense. It's getting us nowhere but lost. We need only to be the body of Christ. This is time for war, not a time for division. I am calling unity in the body of Christ right now. In every community, every state, every nation, every country, I am calling for unity in the body of Christ. Now the spiritual form from man to God with forgiveness. After the physical aspect, Jesus went on to speak of forgiveness through a parable which not only applied to the physical aspect of flesh, but spoke spiritually about the kingdom of heaven. This is about the talents. And Jesus is really putting this parable into place about the kingdom of God. And he really did a great job doing this. So if we're looking in the Bible, he goes on and talks about, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wished to settle his accounts with his slave. Keep in mind, we're talking about kings and slaves now. And Jesus really wants us to settle debts. 
And if we can't settle our debt through forgiveness, we're going to have a problem. So we're going to go ahead and go on um, to this. And this is in, in Matthew chapter 18. And it's verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the accounting, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But because he could not repay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. But that same slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began choking him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow slave fell on his knees and begged him earnestly, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling, and he went and had him thrown in prison until he paid back the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved, and they went and reported to their master with clarity and in detail everything that had taken place. Then his master called them in and said to him, You wicked and contentable slave, I forgave all that debt, the great debt of yours, because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave? Who owed you a little by comparison, as I had mercy on you? And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers and jailers until he paid all that he owed. Jesus says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to every one of you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. So when we break this down, we see the king, who we can actually in turn say is God. God our Father, and us being the slave who owes a debt, but he forgave it by Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it in full, our debt. But yet we go to somebody else and we don't have mercy on them and forgive them. We are not worthy of forgiveness from our Father God. God made us in his image. He made us in his image and we are to forgive as he forgives us. That means forgiving yourself, forgiving us, forgiving others. I'm going to ask you a question. If Jesus Christ on the cross can ask the Father to forgive those who crucified him while he's on that cross, beat, bruised, beyond recognizable, in pain. Who are we to not forgive others who have sinned against us? That's a huge question to be answered. Who are we to not forgive? As this message comes to a close, I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray today. And if you are having a problem forgiving somebody, I'm going to ask you to agree in prayer with me. Matter of fact, the first prayer is going to be a salvation prayer because I believe that this message is a salvation message. 
Jesus loves you so much that he gave himself for our sins. He died on that cross. Jesus loves you so much. There is hope for you. There's hope for you in this world. There's hope for you in the eternity. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, I pray that you do now. So we're going to say this prayer real quick. And if you don't know Jesus Christ or you have fallen from Jesus Christ and you have turned your back on him or you've fallen away from him, not necessarily turned your back, but you've fallen away from him and, and you have the cares of the world upon your back and you just, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're at, but you knew Jesus and you want to get back there to that point to where Jesus took care of you. This prayer is for you too. So... For the person who wants to receive Jesus Christ in their life right now, let's pray right now. Father God, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna have you repeat this prayer. So if you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you have fallen away from Him, say this prayer with me. Father God, Lord, I thank you for the love that you have shown me. You are such an awesome Father, an awesome God. Your patience is unlimited, especially with me, Lord. Father, I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross for me. I believe that he went down to hell and get the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I believe that he rose from the dead, and he is alive forevermore. And I want to make him the Lord of my life because I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me and I believe he's going to set me free through the, the gift that he has given, which is salvation. Lord, be with me, God. Let your Holy Spirit in, come into my heart. Lord, I accept Jesus Christ into my heart as Lord and Savior over my life. I invite him in and his Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, God, to make changes in my life to sit here and convict me of the things that are wrong, Lord, to let it let him guide me into everlasting, into the kingdom of heaven. Father, thank you, Lord, and I claim your son Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life, and I claim salvation as a child of God. Father, if there's anything in my life, I ask that you forgive me if it's not of you, and I repent of every sin that I've ever done. Father, guide me and help me and allow your spirit to guide me. In Jesus' name. Now, if you are somebody who has fallen away, just pray to God right now. You know I can't do that for you, but let's pray right now. Father God, I just pray for these people, Lord. Father, in agreement, we say, Lord, take whatever it is that is in our life and take it, Lord, and put it in the sea of forgetfulness, God. Father, forget the debts or the, not the debts, but forget the, uh, the sins that I've had, Lord. Lord, I, I ask forgiveness and I repent. Father, your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We claim that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. And thank you for being my Father and allowing me to come back to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Now we're going to do one more thing. I'm going to pray for each one of you. Because God 
Forgiveness is a huge thing in the Christian walk. And pride takes away the forgiveness factor. Pride of forgiveness cannot be in the same room together. So, Father God, I pray, Lord, that you touch these people, God, the people in, that are listening to this, Lord. And I pray that you go your way with them, Lord. You have your will with them, God. And I pray that you take their pride, if they have pride, away. Father, I pray for those who have a problem forgiving others, God. I pray that you would give them the strength to forgive who they need to forgive, Lord. But I also give you the strength, God. I ask that you give them the strength to forgive themselves of whatever it is that they need to forgive themselves for, Lord. Father, I firmly believe that forgiveness applies to ourselves as well and the things that we have done in the past. So, Father, we know that you are capable of the forgiveness, Lord. We, we ask your forgiveness, God, for anything that we ever did, Lord. And we ask that you help us forgive others and forgive ourselves in the situation that calls for that. Father, thank you for being there for us. And your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, his name we pray, amen. What a great message to give. And I thank you for allowing me to give it to you, for allowing me to come into your homes, into your minds, you know, and into your ears, because I want to make sure I'm doing everything right. And I want to thank you for allowing me to minister to you. It's a blessing to be able to do it. So thank you for coming. Thank you for joining me. And we will keep doing podcasts. We will keep spreading the message of God's love. Never forget that Jesus is real. Jesus is true. And Jesus is the real truth. God bless you all. Have a great day.